We're waxing and milking all y'all squares. Are we really? Oh, dude, the closest. The hell's going on? Is 48. China's got 48. We got 83. How are we doing that? Tell me how my butt tastes. <laughs> People of Earth, pull up a chair and welcome to Hotline Monday on Tuesday. It's Hotline Monday Tuesday with Scott Johnson and Justin Young. Hello, Justin Robert Young. What's up? Oh, Scott. Mm. Very on? excited, man. Yeah? This is an exciting, uh, an exciting episode. I feel like... All right, well, let's pull back the curtain a little bit. It's not because we're dominating the Olympics like we were talking pre-show. That's not why you're excited? The Olympic domination. Here's what I think... Scott, we've we've separately done a lot of different podcasts for over a lot of different years that is the truth that's that's a that's a fair thing to say yeah i agree it's more than fair i think it is also safe to say that this is a podcast that probably for both of our schedules is a tremendous inconvenience uh mitigated by the fact that we really want to do a show together yeah, yeah right yeah like that's that's a that's a fair statement, right? I think that's I think it's one hundred percent accurate. Uh, and it it as the show evolves, mm -hmm. you know, we, we uh, you you want it to be a living, breathing entity that reacts to the audience, reacts to the host, and everything. So everything is is copacetic. Yeah, you find yourself in episodes like today, where, you know, I think uh, initially we were trying to come up with like crazy hot takes where we're just like. Like, we want your calls. What do you think is uh, who would win in a fight? Sulu or uh, uh, C-3PO? Uh, and uh, the fight is to be who is more of a troubling representation of their race. Oh, like, you know, wait. Before you do that, though, who's the, uh, what do you, because you said 3PO, I have to at least ask. You see that new Rogue One trailer. Did you like the new protocol droid that was all tough and could kill a guy if it wanted? I love all of it. Yeah, I did too. It was I great. So much of it. I mean, like, it's just like, it. Man, this summer, and this actually leads into what we're going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but can, which, continue. Which is, just, which is just Star Trek. All right. Right? Yeah. We're going to talk about Star Trek. No big hot takes. We're going to talk about the movie a little bit. We're going to talk about where the where the show's going to go. But we just want to make this a real relaxed hang and just have a good time talking about the things that we can talk about easily, for which Star Trek's one of them. But here's the reason why the Rogue One thing kind of comes into play. Okay. Is that this summer has just been one attempt after another with very, very few exceptions of movies that are trying to recreate the magic of an old franchise or trying to reignite a franchise that has kind of petered out a little bit. And you just leave the theater with some level of like, eh, or boo. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's not sticking. It's not hitting. It's not scratching those itches that the promise of the movie and the franchise uh, makes for you. Rogue One looks like it is giving us that Star Wars kind of thing without Star Wars characters except for Darth Vader. Right. And Star Trek, man, I finally went to go see that movie over the weekend and I loved it. I did too. I was like, and, and I was... You know, uh, I was not excited to see it all that much um, because I didn't think uh, the 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 second one, uh, the 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 wrath of Khan again, uh, was was particularly great. I thought it was it was a little bit more the elements of J.J. Abrams stories that can be more annoying. Mm -hmm. Like when when J.J. Abrams stories focus more on the story and less on the characters, I don't like them as much, right. and that tends to be a problem for him. Yeah, but this was just everything I wanted out of a Star Trek movie. Yep. Like, it's a simple plot. It had a little bit of a, 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 a fake out at some point. Uh, but otherwise, it was just a lot of the crew of the USS Enterprise mixing it up mm -hmm. and yelling at each other and falling in love and falling out of love. And going going to weird, weird places you've never seen before, talking to weird people you've never seen before. Taking on an alien helper you've never seen before. Uh, she was awesome. I love that character. I hope they do more with her. I forget the actress's name, but she killed it. Um, yeah, like all that stuff. I could not agree more. And it felt like it felt like actual Star Trek. In some ways, it felt very risky. It felt like a movie that could have taken it safe, 
and retrashed or rehashed a bunch of material that already had done. But instead, it decided, sure, we're going to be action packed. This is Jason or Justin Lin, of course, directing this thing. So, yeah, I can't you know we need to at least have that edge to it. But also, why don't we why don't we do some Star Trek ass Star Trek? That's how it felt to me. Yeah, I mean, and and it really just shows you how much that that cast has been underutilized. Yeah, in those, I mean, like the first movie, obviously, there's a lot going on. You got to set up why they're. You know, the first movie, you have to get everybody on the same spaceship, right? Like, there's just a lot that needs to happen. Sure. Uh, the second movie, though, it was so much Kirk and Spock. It was so much about, you know, this this big villain and everything and the big mystery around it that you forgot. And this was something that came out uh, a little bit later that Carl Urban, who plays Bones, who is like kind of the star of, of Star Trek Beyond. He's great. Yep. He's just so great that, that he apparently was like, hey, could you guys just kill Bones? Because, like, he's not really doing anything. He's just kind of sitting around and he does the bit and he says the, like, damn it, Jim line and everybody claps. So that's pretty much it. That's all he was doing. Yeah. And in this movie, it's like, oh, no, you get why people love these characters. You get why, like, oh, wait, Bones and Spock kind of, like, want, like, to get under each other's skin. And, and, Here's like the great way that you can show Spock as a reactive character without making him crazy emotional and, and not Spock-like, which mm-hmm. is what a lot of the criticism in in uh, Star Trek Two was. Sure. Uh, but here's what I want to I, 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 it got me thinking about Star Trek in general, and this is what I want to hear everybody's thoughts on. What do we want out of Star Trek? Mm. Like, let's say you can choose the direction of Star Trek for the next. Three years, new cast, this cast, television, movies, uh, you know, Snapchat exclusives, whatever you want, <laughs> but whatever you want uh, uh, of it, what do you want right now? Yeah, because I have a very specific thing that I want out of Star Trek right now, having seen that movie. Oh, well, all right. Let's do this. Uh, Phone number, by the way, folks listening live, 801-895-4724. Taking your calls. Lightning fast. We have one already. I'm going to play this, and then I want to hear Justin's thing after that. So, oh, it went away. It disappeared. Uh, Keep that number handy, 801-895-4724. Call back whoever that was. We'll re-add you to the call. Justin, tell me your idea. So you look at that script, that Star Trek Beyond script, Cut out half the CGI space battles and just put them on the bridge where they're kind of like doing the falling over because the camera's tilted sideways thing. Yeah, yeah. You can do that on TV. Yeah. There's no reason why you couldn't do that on a Netflix budget. Right? Yeah, I think so. It would look, I mean, obviously like the the amazing zero G fight and stuff at the end, you'd probably have to shave down and cut and everything. But you could do something really good that got all the best parts of that movie. So here's what I want. I haven't, I didn't see to, to add to that. I didn't see anything happen on screen that they couldn't have pulled off in 2009 Battlestar Galactica or something like that. Sure. Exactly. Sure. I mean, all, all, all the great stuff. I mean, right. like there a lot of the, the big CGI, like, you know, the a million different little tiny ships running into the enterprise and stuff like that. You know, you probably wouldn't want to have that on, on bargain basement CGI, but, yeah, yeah. uh, give me, for Netflix of hour-long episodes, like Sherlock style. You want four of them, so small miniseries. Yeah, but they don't have to necessarily connect, or, or maybe they do, right? Whatever you want, yeah. with the movie cast. Ooh. I want the movie cast. In light of the fact that the movie cast is the only movie cast and the TV show we're getting is set before Kirk's time, which bothers a lot of people, me myself included, I... I like your idea better than what they're presenting currently. Like I'm as excited as I am for a new Star Trek TV and I'll be stoked in their day one, not happy about it being in a timeline where they have to adhere to the future's rules and the future's discoveries. We talked about in TMS today and I agree with the Trek nerd for once in my life. I want to see Star (laughs) Trek go into the future again. I want them to discover new things, new places, new people and not be a rehash of stuff we already know or can't do because it messes with the future. That's what I want. Well, and especially for a television show in in a world where television is more fragmented than it has ever been before, where you are subscribing to the to whole systems just so you can see one television show. Yep. 
you need to cater to your audience. And I don't think if 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 this new Star Trek was another big play for broadcast television, which I guess they're going to air the pilot, right? And then who knows what else going forward. But otherwise, it's going to be on CBS's new standalone thing. Uh, you know, why, why not get really nerdy? Get like science fiction novel nerdy, like about this, about like post-singularity, like make it brainy, make it smart. Like you don't have to to have it be closer to our timeline, which is really what I think about when you say, okay, before Kirk's timeline, you're just closer and closer to where we are, which is a theme that's played with in, in Star Trek Beyond, uh, you know, in, in a little, maybe even a little too frat boyish kind of way, considering, you know, where, how things revolve in the, in the final climactic scene with the modern music. Right. Uh, but it's like, like, that's what, kind of to me but puts the handcuffs on and also i just love this cast uh, i don't know caller what do you think hello caller oh me oh hey, yeah you what's your name oh okay cool um oh neil neil nice to have you neil what's uh, uh neil? what's your take on all this star trek business you know i would like to see like a small crew of just you know kind of like on a runabout but a bigger runabout and just like get to know the crew and and like have them just be like a specialty science team or something like that. Ooh, that's kind of cool. Like a little strike team. Weren't they, wasn't this in the plans? Right, yeah, like a strike, like a strike team, but not like military. Sure, sure. Team, something more team. like we need to send, there's a real weird anomaly and we got to send our best scientist. I really like that too. But there was, for a half hot minute, there was talk of a, a sequel slash spinoff from Deep Space Nine that was Worf on the, what's the name of that little ship they used to ride around in? Looked like a big cookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I can't remember what it was called either. Um, that was for for a, for a second and a half. That was in the works. Like something was going on. The the renegade, no, the re, oh, whatever the hell it was. Anyway, Worf was going to oh, head this yeah. thing, and it was going to get lost somewhere. I don't remember what the deal was, but it was going to just follow this small crew of you know ten people at the max. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea a lot. And you want, but we want them in the future, right? No more going back. Let's start. Let's yeah, I, I, yeah, I would like them in the future where, I mean, like, you know, uh, next generation or, you know, whatever. So Sure. Is, so I think if I'm to do the math right, Justin, the final timeline, we were trying to do this this morning, is Voyager that we've seen, right? They're the, they're the furthest into the future that, that we have Star Trek-wise. There's no other future settings for the show, right? Why not right there? Why not right at the end of Voyager or right around Voyager or even 100 years after Voyager? Who cares? Just give us new shit to talk about and see. And then you can get all brainy like you're talking about. You can't do that if you're going to go back to like post-Archer pre-Kirk 10 years before Kirk and do it there. Then you're wasting your time. You got to go way in the often distant whatever to get to your post-singularity world. Well, and then also there's the like... All right, here. So let's we 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 praise the we we praise the movie. Uh, now let's let's get into our our hand wringing about where this show is going. All right, because I have a fear, and I love Brian Fuller. Yeah, hell, I don't think hell of a showrunner. Guy's got some serious experience under his belt. I don't think he's done a thing that I don't like. However, I got a fear. Here's my fear. All right, I think he's doing this just because he loves the aesthetic of the original television show Uh-oh. and he wants to do something that feels like the original television show mm. so what do you mean more swashbuckly a little more uh i think something that looks like a 60s show something that i mean it'll probably have like imagine pushing daisies but in space and go go, uh, you know, crew uniforms. All right, I like, like this idea a lot. All right, like a beehive haircuts on the ladies. I don't want that though. That's not what I want. Like I the reason think we that's like my fear. That's my fear. I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm not saying it's definitely gonna happen. I'm just saying that's my fear. Is that when we first get our our looks into what this is, that that's what it's going to look like. All right. Caller, uh, what's your opinion about the current state and future of Star Trek? What would you like to see? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, this is Jonathan calling from beautiful Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New hey, York. Hey, man. It's good to uh, have you on. Uh, uh, it's really not that beautiful. But here's <laughs> what I'd like to <laughs> No, it's summer, man. I mean, uh, but at least you're not in Manhattan, right? Like, Manhattan's hotter than Brooklyn. 
Is it? No, I mean, I was in Manhattan. That's where my office is. I just actually oh, got yeah. home. But oh. it's pretty well, gross. You get home. It smells like garbage all uh, the time. Really? I thought it was all artisanal yeah. and like... Oh, uh, no, 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 no. This is something that everybody needs to learn about New York. Is that uh, during the rainy season, which is normally in the middle to late summer, yeah. uh, what happens is for three weeks, it's nothing but pouring rain that activates all that caked on urine Ugh. that's collected throughout the entire rest of the year. And the entire city smells like not only urine, but old urine. Confirm or deny. Whose pee is it, though? Everybody's. It's hot garbage from every rat and every bum you've ever seen in your life. All right. So bums bums and rats peeing on everything. That stuff's activated by the storms from those raining two weeks. Okay. All right. I get it. You add Zika on on top of that, and it's just like... Are you guys getting getting the mosquito? You get that there, don't you? It's a mosquito business. Oh, absolutely. Dude, oh, yeah. city mosquitoes. That sounds uh, terrible. Ske- mosquitoes yeah. in the city? That sounds Best city awful. in the world, Scott. Best city in the world. All right. All right. I thought it was all gentrified and like everybody was making kale pizza No, and no. Bullshit. This is, oh, I mean, this oh, oh. is everywhere. Okay. Everywhere in New York. Williamsburg, Brooklyn is the most gentrified place in on the planet. It's the most expensive place to live in America. Yeah, but they got they, <laughs> they still smell like pee is what you're telling me. I mean, me. I don't know. Park, you, you, you wouldn't say Park Slope? Park Slope doesn't have it uh, in, in well, one shade wider? Depends how many strollers you have. <laughs> One shade wider. Uh, well done. All right. Anyway, sorry. Uh, what's your take on the Star Trek stuff? That was our new branded segment, Brooklyn Chat. Yeah, Brooklyn Chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So my take on Trek right now and the thing that's irritated me the most and what I'd like to see is for Trek to go back to being Trek and stop marketing themselves as, hey, here's our token gay guy. Mm. Uh that we have in the cast coming up. Oh, did you spot him? There he was. That's the gay guy. And I well, think... All right, this is a good point. L- let me stop you right there and just say, back in the 60s, there's, the show was known for subversive, progressive ideas. However, it never felt like... So I'm going to agree with our caller. It never felt like back in the day that was being hammered down my throat and that everyone had to talk about it and around it. Now, maybe it's because we have the internet now and everybody's got a voice and everybody can talk about it now and that's probably going to be the answer here. But in 1967... When something like this is going to happen, we're going to have a, a Russian at the height of the Cold War on the set. That's crazy. We're going to have a, a African-American woman working on the bridge right next to Captain Kirk. And at some point in this series, they're going to kiss openly on television. Like, these were big deals then, but I don't feel like right, any, Scott. none of them. But why is it, why is it the opposite now? What do you mean? Why is it what, okay, why wait, does it can feel we, like we, it's such a... Can we, can we get... All right, this, this is about the thing in the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like that, and now when they're, they're talking about it, yeah, it's about the thing in the movie. And it's not even about the George Takei thing. It's just about how now they're talking about in the next cast, they're already marketing for like the next idea, and they're already talking about, oh, he's going to be the gay one. And yeah. it, it seems really forced. I and, wish and they I, would I be, I, I wish they would be progressive without having to tell us six months before they're doing it. That's exactly well, what I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah. listen, but, but all right, so as far as the movie went, the, nobody said the word gay in the movie. No. Right. In fact, like, if anything, it was uh, it was oversold because it was it just was, like, oh, well, here's a lovely moment. Two seconds yeah. where you walk by, and if you really, really, really wanted to squint hard enough, you'd be like, man, he really has a close relationship with his uncle, right? <laughs> like, so, so I mean, that's that's not. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, the, if, if if George Takei had not mentioned it, and listen, his feelings are his own. He has a right to feel however he wants, considering how close he is to that character and to and to the Roddenberry family. He's allowed to say whatever he wants. I didn't think that that was necessarily... I thought that that was overblown compared to what we have in the movie. As far as the new TV show goes, listen, man, this is a Brian Fuller joint. Like, you're going to get some gay in there. Like, there's... <laughs> that, that's, that's just part of, 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 of his milieu, right? Yeah, but what, I, what the caller's saying and what I'm agreeing with here is... And this is obviously a totally different topic for a different show. However, I think it applies here a little bit. They're pre-selling that thing by saying, oh, by the way, we're going to have a female captain again. Oh, and there's going to be an openly gay character on the cast. This will be the first one on the TV series where they're openly gay. And 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 that's it. Like, that's all they've said about it's what's dumb. coming. Now, do we need to know ahead of time? Couldn't it just come out and it's like, oh, look, sweet. There's a gay person on the thing. They didn't yeah, have to. Right. Why did they have to broadcast it? But now, who are we blaming for that, though? 
Is that is that the show? Is that the network? Or is that just the media landscape that we live in? I don't see. That's the problem. I don't have a good take. I don't have a good barometer for who is like, actually. Listen, nobody on Facebook talked to me about uh, the sexuality of, of uh, Sulu back in the original series because <laughs> Facebook didn't exist. I just looked at the empty sky and said, I don't know. A previously uh, unforeseen communications tool. What do you think about sex and love and whether or not men and women should be together? Yeah. Well, I mean, the truth is, who knows if the studio, maybe the studio didn't share that information. Maybe that's just part of the script and didn't care. And it came out in some other way and some news outlet ran with it. And now suddenly it's quote unquote scandalous or progressive or whatever word you want to attach. I'm not, I'm not familiar with how this, got reported but uh, to take a guess either it was mentioned in the upfronts you know in in any of the interviews that they do with critics there where they ask about the new slate of shows that's coming out yeah. or it, it's going around in hollywood now the script is and somebody reads it thinks that's noteworthy and it, that starts getting out there right. like there's a, there's a couple ways that this can happen and it it, it it doesn't necessarily have to be you know uh like, wow, the new show is going to be called Star Trek, an out and proud gay man's adventure. <laughs> I mean, all right, look, if that's the point of your show, then you should say that. Uh, it, the truth is, they can say whatever they want to say, but you have to admit, it's a little pandery. Like, I'm happy for this. You know what? Make your everyone gay on the cast. I don't care. Let's all be gay. It's fine. But just this gay. idea of like, hey, you guys, we're working on a new Star Trek. Guess what? Sticking his some gaze in it, like it just seems wasn't, artificial. Wasn't that just Torchwood? <laughs> I don't know. Was it Torchwood? Yeah, it was Torchwood, but that was a British thing. They're more. They're way over. They're over this stuff already over there. They don't care. They're not hung up like we are. I don't know. I've I've watched Jordy Shore. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like it just. I, I'm not saying I don't care either way. Like I mean, I'm getting Star Trek. I don't care whose orientation is what on that show. I really don't. And to find out that there will be somebody, I think I would rather be surprised. I think I'd rather. It's not about spoilers, I guess, but I'd be go to watch the show and go, "Oh, this dude's gay. That's interesting." Well, I mean, there there is, and this is not Star Trek related, but I think in general, if if your character starts and ends with their sexuality, you have a pretty crappy character. Yeah. You That's know, true. because because it's not like even characters that are defined by their, you know, heterosexual horniness or something like have character arcs at mm-hmm. some point, mm-hmm. you know, like like Stifler has a backstory. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not just a raging hard on who needs to find <laughs> female companionship. And, and so. <laughs> If it's just like, oh, look, they're gay. And, and you know, I, I, I agree that it makes for crappy storytelling. Um, as for how it's announced, like, I don't know. If, I mean, they, if you didn't know that Sulu was gay going in into this the movie, OK, and you sat down and you're like, oh, <clears throat> look, he's a he's a gay dude because there's his, his husband and there's a, their kid they adopted together. Or who knows? One of them may have been the surrogate. Who knows? We don't know. But yeah, there's all this interesting story. Future. Did, did, if you didn't tell anybody up front, this is me working it out in my own head. If you didn't tell people up front or have the Takei controversy, then there would have, they would have been accused of doing this little switcheroo without anybody noticing and then, th- and then just springing it on everybody, right? They would have been accused of that in a negative way, the filmmakers, I mean. I mean, so the so fact it, that they announced it, but it, it would have, it would have raised some hackles. Yeah, it would have. Um, my, I guess my point is maybe that's why they announced these things. I'm trying to play up devil's advocate here. Maybe they make well, a bigger this, I mean, deal. Again, this wasn't the, the, the Sulu thing was not announced. Sulu saw the movie or heard about the movie and uh, heard about that element of it and decided to talk about it himself. Mm. So that came out of him. I didn't realize that. I thought, maybe. yeah, it wasn't like a press release yeah. that was like Sulu's gay and five <laughs> other facts about the new Star Trek beyond in theaters uh, next week. Yeah. I don't know. Like in a way, since it doesn't, since I don't want the characters to be affected any other way by being gay than a heterosexual character would be, meaning affairs of the heart are going to exist one way or the other, that's fine. But because I don't want them to be blown about by a story that is purely about a gay storyline, I want it to be like it was in old Star Trek. Oh, here's a future where black people and white people are working together. Here's a future where 
Russian dude on the bridge as, as trusted as anybody else there during the height of the Cold War. You don't have to slam it down my throat. You don't have to explain it to me. I get the subtleties of your subversion. Let's have a little more of that in modern entertainment, can we? I think we can, Justin. Well, what would you be? What would be an example of that not happening? I um, guess. Like, yeah, that's a good question. Like, how do, if if the tree falls, does it make a sound? I don't know. Well, I mean, like just in the work. If <laughs> if we're just gonna draw a circle around just the piece of work, because I know it does exist. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't, but I think that most of our examples are about the noise around the work as opposed to the work. It's kind of like what, what happened with Ghostbusters, where it was like, ah, oh, it's, it's this thing and they're making them ladies because uh, ladies can do it too. And, and that's bad storytelling and you're defiling this great property, yada, yada, yada. Right. And ultimately, it was just kind of a booty movie. Yeah, this wasn't great. Like, it was it just I mean, that's fine. And and movies are disappointing all the time. All right. Uh, you know. Oh, I got one. Okay, Star Trek related. Here it just it just yeah. hit me. There's two examples. There's one where Riker and TNG okay. uh, had a relationship with a a uh, alien race, uh, and one of the people from that race could go either way. It was like a non gendered person. And it just depended who you ended up liking, and then they were the whatever you wanted them to be thing. And I remember that was controversial in like '97 or '98 or something. And then yeah. the other one that was maybe even a bigger deal was when Dax and I can't remember the other girl's name. Anyway, they they used to be man and woman because the the symbiotes inside the bodies of these hosts were in t- different hosts, and those different hosts were man and were male and female. But now they're both in ladies, and so there's a bunch of making out on set between two ladies. Yeah. And that caused a big old stink. People are freaking out. Um, those are maybe examples where they. So, those are so. Those are examples of it being down your throat. Da, no, da, the, of the opposite of the yeah. not what I'm saying of the. Here's the story. It's asking an interesting question. It's forcing you to think outside the normal box that you that you're in and say, "Oh, well, that's interesting." Even if I have a bias towards same sex relationships. We're talking about the essence of who those two people are are not the bodies. It's the worm that lives inside of them. It's the symbiote. It's the it's the the host bodies have nothing to do with it, really. So because that's true and these worms can be in any number of configuration host bodies. This is nerdy. This is great. Then they can then they should be able to have whatever relationship they want because that relationship existed outside of those hosts. So so that's an interesting question, right? It's it's meant to be. Not only subversive, but it's meant to make you ask questions about what you consider to be "quote unquote" normal or, or whatever. Which is, which is what sci-fi is all about. I agree. Where it's like, hey, are you comfortable with two men or two ladies kissing? All right, put that on ice. We're not talking about that. We're talking about worms, snakes <laughs> that they inhabit these people, and so they have these people, and then these people, and then oh, wait a minute, these two worms fell in love, but now they're both in ladies, and they're kissing each other. Oh, how does that make you feel? This isn't the first thing. This is a totally new thing about space worms. <laughs> but that's what that's they did. Okay. That's what they did. They did it back then, even with the the interracial. Now, a, kiss. a lot of people are pointing out, and this is something. Wait, wait, what which 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 trek was that on again? Uh, that was D D Space Nine or no 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 for the worms yeah D Space Nine I believe yeah I, I think at that point that was also at a point in television where like the lesbian kiss was also a big taboo, <laughs> uh, so I think that that was also one that of might those. have been mid late nineties. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey Scott and Justin, it's uh, Ian. I am sci-fi from the other side of Brooklyn. Hey man, always good to hear from you. Does it smell like yep. pee over there or what? O- only only Brooklyn callers for this episode. Yep. So if you're <laughs> calling and you're not from Brooklyn, well, it's, dr- it's drive time in New York. That was our plan with the show in the first place. So you are the yeah, direct. It, it, uh, it smells way less of urine on on my end right now, but I'm standing there a bunch of trees. So oh, all right. Well, don't get too close <laughs> to those trees. Uh, <laughs> hey, what's on? What is, what's your hot take on all this messiness about Star Trek? I think that if anyone's going to be able to pull it off, it's Brian Fuller. I mean, not only for the fact that uh, that I, 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 just like you, Scott, I've yet to really uh, uh, not enjoy anything Brian Fuller has uh, has put out, but yeah. he has a Star Trek background. Like he has a history with the show, and um, I feel like he has uh, a love and appreciation not only for uh, Roddenberry's original image, but for creating something new within the existing universe uh you know that you know like might not tread on uh, on kirk's realm necessarily but 
you know, make something new and different while still being the same. If that makes sense. So it does. Let me give the, the listeners a, a, a window as to what he has created. So here are his credits when it comes to what we care about, as specifically his television credits. He was writer on two episodes of Star Trek Deep, Deep Space Nine. He was yep. eight, for 81 episodes, writer, story editor, and co-producer. Spent some time in the Trek universe, clearly. He wrote the oh, Carrie yeah. remake on t- the TV version. Uh, he wrote Dead Like Me, great show. He, uh, 29 episodes of that. 13 of Wonderfall, The Amazing Screw-On Head. Don't know what that is. It was a pilot, never went anywhere. Oh, yeah, that was that's uh, from the dude who did uh, Hellboy. Yep. It's actually really good. Yeah, is that? Sci-fi right. animated series. Really oh, good stuff. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, he did a bunch of episodes of Heroes, 33 to be exact. He did, and don't let don't hold that against him. That show no, it's not did, his fault. He did all the best episodes when it was very good at the beginning. Yeah, the very early oh, yeah. 06 to yeah. 07 stuff was he him. Did, he did the, and then he was gone for a season, and then they brought him back once it was already kind of irredeemable. But he, he was actually the, the man who put in a lot of the great backbone into the horn rim glasses mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Yeah. His, his, yeah. his hand was felt when it was there pushing daisies. One of the best shows ever made to not still yeah, be probably. here. That should still freaking be here. That show was great. Mockingbird lane. Never saw it. It's a pilot. That was really good. That was, that was a pilot that I, that I would really wish it gotten more, more play and gotten more episodes. God, I never even heard uh, of it. It makes me want to see it though. I wonder if that's around yeah. someplace just to grab somewhere. It might be. Um, in 2013 to 2015, he was the showrunner, executive producer, and writer on 39 episodes of Hannibal, a highly regarded yep. show on NBC that also got canceled because NBC sucks. Uh, <laughs> High Moon is something he wrote a pilot for. I don't know what that is. It sounds great, like Cowboys on the Moon, dude. That's what that sounds like, but I don't know. So who knows? Yeah, and, and he's working on American Gods. Yeah, American Gods is what he's on now. Star Trek Discovery's next, and then he's got some amazing stories revival he's working on. So, yeah, I mean, look, he's got a list of stuff he does. He's won some Hugo Awards. He's done some other things. Like, this is the guy we want, Justin, at the helm of a Star Trek thing. At least one of them. I don't know who else over there uh, that's had his hands in Star Trek except maybe um, uh, a BSG guy, and he's busy with his show, his new show. I can't think of his name suddenly. Who's the BSG guy? Oh, uh, Ron Moore. Ron Moore, Ronald Moore, who, by the way, is like four foot tall. I saw him in Vegas once. At oh, a, okay. A little tiny, tiny man. He's not that short, but he's really Oh, he has small. that long hair, too. Is, yeah. it, is, is his hair so long that it drags along the carpet? <laughs> no, but it looked like... Because of, of how long his hair is and how short and squat he is, he looked like a Goomba from the Mario games. Like a little <laughs> Goomba. Anyway, saw him in a hall, waved. He was very kind and very nice and waved back. Anyway, um, that's not the point. He's oh, not coming somebody, back. Uh, Knott's points on the chat room that Mockingbird laid was his reboot of the Munsters. Oh, Really? Yeah, it was like a semi-serious reboot of the Munsters. Well, see, this all just leads lends credence to the idea you have that he wants to revive the the kitsch that, that of it. Dude just loves sixties television. I don't want the kitsch television. though. No kitsch. The kitsch is bad for Star Trek. I mean, like that wasn't kitsch in sixty whatever. It was Star Trek. That's just how it looked. Now it looks dumb to us now. Well, everything looks dumb that far down the line, or when sta- when stuff changes and they had no budget and their sets were crap and everything else. I don't want them to make a purposeful beehive hairdo, whatever. I think the movies right now do a really good job of somehow figuring out how to do that right. Like those uniforms look well, cool. Because they're almost their own relics of the modern era. Yeah. Right? Like if there's one thing that I can understand that a lot of the grumpy Trek folks uh, are are upset that this is this very much feels like a movie from a director of a Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah. There's a lot of silly physics. There's a lot of... Uh, you know, like when when Kirk shoots out the window that is like the shield of the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Two blaster shots so he can jump <laughs> out of it. Like, wait, really? That's all? It, they fly through space at like warp speed and take two shots from a phaser to knock it out? I have, a, I have a theory about that, which I'll hold for a second while we take this call. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Peter from Baltimore. Hello, Peter from Baltimore. Home of the yeah. Orioles. Wait, do the Orioles still play there? Sure they do. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Good. Uh, what's up, man? Right. What's, what's want, your take? I wanted to riff on Jury's idea of a Netflix miniseries keeping the cast from the movies. Because I really like that idea. And more than anything, I want to see the return of the Borg. And I would love to see Captain Kirk go up against the Borg. Because we have not seen the Borg in anything since Voyager ended. Well, hold on now. I think there was some connection in um, Enterprise. There was one episode in Enterprise. 
Yeah. It's be- better we don't remember that. And it was kind of bad. Um, but yeah, but but see, okay, I'm totally with you, dude. The Borg, one of the great creations in science fiction, I believe. And yeah, you could point to then- a million examples of why it's basically zombies in space, but I love the Borg. But you gotta you gotta try to figure out how you're gonna do this in the past. If this is ten years before Kirk. No, no, exactly. I, no, I, I Go ahead. Yeah, I want to keep it with the current cast from the movies, do the Netflix miniseries with them and do the Borg there. Oh, okay. So this, I'm a little bummed about Discovery because we're going where so much of what we know about the Trek universe is locked in and we can't change it. Yeah. That's I, you're you're totally right. And so now I understand what you're saying. Here's, yes, Jerry. Here's my here's my point, and thank you, Collie, for 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 backing me up. Yeah. So here's my point on the keeping the original cast because when the first one came out in 2009, yeah, uh, there was a, a really big thought that like, oh my god, you'd never be able to do a TV show with this cast yeah. because they're all going to be gigantic yeah. in two years, right? right. They're all going to be super big because it was a promising young cast. They right. assembled a great cast. But in the intervening, you know, uh, uh, the funny thing happened on the way to the forum in the seven years since the first one came out, A, television has gotten a lot more prestigious and a lot more money has been fl- like flung around for it. And number two, all those actors, I mean, look, Chris Pine was probably the biggest one that you'd say, okay, can't miss. If that dude can knock out Captain Kirk like he knocked out Captain Kirk, he's just going to be massive. He'll be in every movie, yeah. every rom-com. He'll just be omnipresent. Well, guess what? That dude on IMDb right now has Star Trek Beyond, which just came out, the untitled Star Trek sequel, and the only other thing on his list coming up right now is him being just the 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 himbo in wonder woman <laughs> well wait a minute he's got something out this that just came out like or or is coming out or something it's a, a outlaw thing that i really yeah, or high water it's already out i, I want to see that real bad sure but I, here's what i'm saying that dude's on the couch a lot that Let's dude see. give this man some work all right since let, it, let him do what what <laughs> what we want him to do zachary quinto needs some work Zoe Zaldana, you're going to have to work around. Yeah, you're going to have to work around her schedule. She's continued to be very busy and is now in like Avatar and Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, just getting painted up and in mocap. So you're going to have to shoot around her schedule. So since Into Darkness, which was 2013, you've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, if you count Wonder Woman film projects. That's not too bad. No, no, no. I'm just saying, what, what now? Like, what is he attached to now? Go look at like a, a a a big actor like Channing Tatum. Let's go ahead and look at Channing Tatum. All right, and and all everything that he has coming up versus the last thing. Yeah, that- there's a lot more announced filmings, pre-production, post-productions for him for sure. No exactly. question. Exactly. Yeah. Like, no, you're not wrong. I mean, he's a busy. Yes, you're right. He's not quite hit that thing. And also, what's his name? From Heroes and who plays Spock, Zachary Quinto. Yeah, Zachary Quinto. What the hell is he, he, he doing? Nothing. He is an American Horror John, Story. I don't know anything else. Yeah. Get some work. Yeah. Uh, you got, uh, it's funny, the Bones guy may be the most prolific. He does a lot of weird stuff, like varied stuff. He's had a couple of TV well, series. He TV. Yeah. He already did. He, he did uh, the, what's it called? The, uh, the I'm a man running around with robots. Uh, <laughs> I'm solving the robot problems. Detective show, whatever that was called. It was good. For the That's fine. Hot five minutes it was on. What about the other one? Uh, uh, where's Carl Urban? Show. Almost Human. Almost so, Human. Yeah. That was the show. Uh, the one that I really liked him in was, uh, where is it? And I'm not thinking of Lord of the Rings. So everyone shut up about that. I know he's in that. Um, where is it? Oh, Dread. Freaking Dread. I know that was 2012. Was but great. Damn, Dread was good, dude. It was Dread was amazing, right? So here's what you do. Four episodes on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Yohora uh, gets kidnapped by the Borg in the first five minutes of All the right. first episode. All right. They get her back in the last five minutes of the last episode. You know, so she only has to be on set for a day. <laughs> She'll be happy to get a paycheck where she doesn't have to get body painted or mo-capped. Your point is the rest of them are fine. They've got time. The, the, she's the only one really that's going to be stretched here. Everybody well, yeah. Else has I mean, time. I think it's an easier schedule than than like Arrested Development. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
No, you're right. Oh, and you got you to gotta juggle a billion things. I agree. I don't have a problem with this. It seems like our go-to automatically, though, when people say, what are you going to do with that property? What I'd like to see is a five-part Netflix series. Like, everybody wants this for everything. We want Star Wars on Netflix. Forget about regular TV. Bring it to Netflix. Well, I say CBS has a chance here to do exactly what you're asking. It's just for their app. So what's the difference? Why can't Beyond or whatever it's called, not Beyond, Discovery, Yeah. you know, STD, why, you- why can't STD be just as good on their app? They're only giving us the pilot for free. Everything else is on the app only. No, I know. I mean, and, and listen, there is... Anytime that they are putting money and a good creator behind the Star Trek franchise on television, you have a chance for exceptional work. Yeah. Which has made... This is where I think that there really is a, a gigantic rift in Star Trek fandom. All right. Is that there are people that love that universe no matter what. And sure, sometimes you get... Uh, you know, day old McDonald's and sometimes you get Morton Steakhouse, but uh, but you just love that flavor and they will watch any and everything. And then you have people that like it, that enjoy the universe. But you got to tap out when you start to get to this Enterprise Voyager, like just like offensive garbage pelting. your Voyager's face. OK. It's OK. Stop it. It is. It's, no, it's fine. Not. Hey, this no, is. Not. Let me remind you. This is here's Enterprise. Okay, this is <laughs> this is garbage. It's ter- freaking terrible. Okay, but also, have you heard the the Voyager? Uh, yeah, with, it's good. No, with lyrics. Oh no, there's a Voyager song with lyrics. Oh my god, we used to play it all the time on night. It's <laughs> oh, I'm gonna play it. Here it is. All there's right. this dude. <laughs> is it this guy? It's a guy. Yeah. Hello. They call me Q. This is you know, it. Before yeah. Star Trek Enterprise, oh, I gotta skip none of the Star Trek shows had. Th- <laughs> Here he goes. He's taking a deep breath. Voyager. Oh, shit. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> Voyager, please come home. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> That was really bad. Uh, All right. Another great fire is like Voyager <laughs> and they're stranded in the Delta. <laughs> oh, please come home. Oh, Voyager. That's amazing. Um, listen, Voyager was fine. It had plenty of good moments. Later seasons were pretty good. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with Voyager. No, stop it. Stop it. Hey, that's your Brian Fuller guy right there. No, this is our problem. And this is this has always been our problem as genre fans. Horror, science fiction, fantasy. We need to we need like just because it's tolerable and just because you enjoy it does not mean it's good. <laughs> right? All right. Okay, that's fair. It's, it's it, tolerable. It, yes, it cheapens when really good stuff comes out that you're trying to spread the word about great genre work. That if you're like, well, you know, I don't know. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is pretty good. No, it's not. It's not. It's poorly written and it's a bad show. Now, you might like it. That's fine. I like a lot of stuff that's bad. Yeah. That, that is just evocative of either other work that I like or is just a flavor that I love so much that it doesn't matter. Like political gonna, thrillers. Yeah. Doesn't matter how terrible they are. I'm always going to love it as long as there's mean sociopaths yelling at each other. It's just my jam. Okay. okay? But what about. Okay. So I know you already don't like The Walking Dead. You think it's a bad show. It is objectively a bad show. I think, I see, I disagree. I have a lot of fun with it. I think it has, it's had some rough. You are, you are tying those two things together. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. When the episodes come out, I rush to get them. I have gr- groups where we'll all watch it together. I mean, these are all signs of really liking a show. No, this- no, no. You get, all right, but here again. You are tying these two things together that, in my mind, are, un, are, are unbound. You can like something. You can share a passion with a bunch of other people. It can be massively popular. That's fine. That's separate from it being good. <laughs> like, The Walking Dead yeah. is a fantastic example of a show that has an amazing formula, has likable, charismatic actors that can carry a 
garbage story that gets like recycled over and over and over again to the point where now it's just the slap happy version of Michael Keaton in multiplicity. But you could say this about like, okay, I could say this about some of my favorite video games, man. I should really hate Diablo two or not should hate it, but I should really be critical of Diablo two because it makes me do all the stuff over and over and over. But I like the loop. I like their loop. It's a good loop. That's fine. And you can, and that's, that's, <laughs> that is fine. You can say that. That's, that's like, but it's not good writing. <laughs> Like and it doesn't have to be. I guess maybe maybe that's the point that we 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 haven't yet explored. All right, is is that it does not have to be good writing. Right, I can and, say, I, I agree with that. And that really, what I am more focused on is is the 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 proselytizing element of it. Yeah, I yeah. want to be able to go to my friends that are not nerds, that are not naturally into genre stuff, and when I tell them. You should watch Stranger Things because Stranger Things is very, very well done and well told. They don't think that, oh, well, yeah, but you loved uh, Saw 7, <laughs> right? Because I might like Saw 7. Right. I might have enjoyed Saw 7. Are there seven I'm going to go to them and say, oh, my God, Saw 7's great. Yeah. You should really enjoy it. the great writing of Saw 7. <laughs> there is a Saw 6. Was there a 7? I don't know. Oh my lord! I can't believe there are six, or or whatever, or or the purge. Listen, people love the purge. I I like the second purge a lot. I'll admit it, but I don't. I'm not about to tell you it was a good movie. I think I'm starting to understand. Yeah, yeah. that's all I'm saying. Is like, let's let's because ultimately here's here's the fatalistic part of us. Our curse as genre fans, yeah, is we want to support everything that comes out that is anywhere in our wheelhouse, right. So we jump up and down and we scream about mediocre television and movies, yeah. which ruins our reputation amongst our friends that aren't into it, but will tune in when there's enough of a buzz. Right. Like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like all your friends who are like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really like Lord of the Rings in, in the first like <laughs> three seasons of Game of Thrones. And now they're like, I don't know. Do you think Khaleesi's going to make the deal with the, you know, with, with, with the Greyjoys? Like, like they, it took enough buzz of people like everybody listening to say, no, 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 no. This is really, really good. You need to watch this because it's a good television show. But yet, we can't do that if we're muddying, if we're not separating, hey, this is just enjoyable stuff that I like. Right. With this is great television and 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 filmmaking. This right. is objectively pushing the art forward. Yeah, you've 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 come around. I think I get I I I think I've agreed with you without knowing I actually agreed with that. That's true. So it's an important distinction everybody. If somebody says, "Oh, I really didn't like that movie." Don't worry about it. If you liked no, it. Fine. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Or like, listen, you can again, it's like and this is really what I guess this is something that I've never really even put drawn a circle around until just now talking about it. This is about whether or not we can objectively as genre fans better than anybody, by the way, right. identify, oh, that's a thing I've never seen before. Right. That's something that is a, a tremendous blending of a bunch of different things that I have seen before, but now it's put in a fresh new palette. That's a great old idea that was resurrected, dusted off, and is now being presented in a fresh new way. There's so many things that we can identify that aren't just, hey, look, they just did the thing that, was kind of done on this other show or has been done a million times previously on this show, but they're doing it over again. And I love it because I just love having that itch scratched, you know, behind my ear. Yeah, it's a good loop. But, you know, it's just going to be what it is. The Walking Dead is a good loop and it's a very popular loop. It is the single most popular loop at the moment. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's huge, but it's also frustrating characters yeah. by way of hackneyed writing, get themselves into preposterously stupid situations yeah. that they then have frustratingly dumb writing ways of getting them out. Well, for their, to their credit, they fo they're following the template as laid out and continues to be laid out by the book. I mean, well, we and can the get book, into, that's the, the comic that, is constantly this. It's you know, same situation, also, different people, same situation, different people over also, and over. The over. comic isn't good either. That's my point. Is it's it's not, but I think that that loop that, is compelling enough. Now that's a enough. controversial opinion. It I, is. I, I, I know. I've, I've gotten lit up for that one before. No, you Ash Schleicher, he'll agree with you. It's and he's a comic book nerd among nerds. But even even so, I'm even. I like the book, 
but I have the same. My favorite thing about the book is I was talking to my buddy Matt about it, and he's like, you know, Kirkman's big thing was that he wanted to tell a story about tell a story after the credits roll in the zombie movie. Right. Right. So his grand, and this is a gross oversimplification and unfair, but his grand addition to the world of zombie lore is this story never ends. (laughs) (laughs) It will be going on until he dies. And then we'll probably be continue going because other people will write it for him. Yeah, probably. But if it wasn't, if there was nothing there, it wouldn't be this thing. Like there's no way there are, there are a million comic books that deal with zombies and apocalyptic uh, genre stuff in comic books. There's a reason that one took off. I don't know what oh, yeah, that reason no, no, no. is. I, and one of the big things, especially in, in the in the issues that I read up to, that I think they, they did a really, really good job on was building in that zombie lore of we are all infected. There's no, you get bitten and become a zombie. It's when you die, you become a zombie. Uh, like that. That's that's all really, really, really good stuff. And I thought that they did a, 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 a fantastic job right. uh, building that universe. I, I just kind of fell off as soon as it became the same you know, a uh, wash, rinse, repeat uh, of, oh, they're they're in a place. Whew. Thank God. <laughs> they're about to live happily ever after. Wait a minute. Is that uh, somebody stealing cheese? <laughs> I wonder if this one little uh, issue within this uh, perfect community is going to explode into a rift that will eventually lead all the zombies into the yeah. center of town. Or, or we're, in, oh. we're in a safe place. This leader seems very benevolent and kind. Wait a minute. They're secretly crazy and that's like, bad. Wait a minute. You know, except for all these people that kind of show all the physical signs of being traumatically tortured and raped, this uh, salvation seems perfect. <laughs> oh, man, I'll bet you it wouldn't be the leader of this town. Oh, no. Turns out that Edward Torture and Rape was the real <laughs> torture and rapist. Edward Torture and Rape. Yeah, uh, uh, to be all right. So J.C. Calhoun says in the comic, they've been in the same place for a number of years. I dropped out after they after I started to see the same stuff when they were in Alexandria. So I, I don't know how much further they are from there. But I right. got as far as Negan in the comics, and that's where I, about issue 100 or 101, it's about where I kind of fell off. And it's not really because I don't want to re-keep reading it, it's because I just, I don't know, I just never got around to it, which is probably another way of saying, eh, I'll get around to it because they're just sort of doing the same thing. <laughs> you know? I'm, yeah, so so that's this is my big, this is my big thing, is that, I, I just Star Trek, any genre stuff, like, let's just reward the truly great with the like, oh, this is great. This is good stuff. And let's just make a conscious effort that the stuff that's like are fun and we love because of the subject matter. Yeah. We can just say it's fun. And then when, when your friends are like, oh, should I watch it? I'm like, nah, it's not for you. You know what? My wife could teach us a lesson every Christmas time or so around that uh, the holiday season between November and January. She watches as many as she can get in on cold winter nights. She'll sit up and watch these terrible, terrible lifetime movie things on Netflix. These like bad uh, Santa comes to Colville thing where it's, oh, it's yeah. like a, it's all like bad uh, romance rom-com people you've never heard of or people that haven't been on TV in 30 years. Yeah, no, those are always speaking of like science fiction and genre shows. You always wind up seeing like the random like, you know, I'm going to say Jonathan Frakes, but just that's just the first thing that comes to mind. But it's right. the random like, oh, yeah, you were from Doctor Who, but now you're the cashier at this down on its luck uh, shopping store. Yeah, right? the shopping store where this guy, this business guy who grew up here, came back after college and all of his money and decides he's going to make the town great again. Like bad, bad TV. And I say to her, honey, why are you doing this to yourself? This stuff is objectively terrible. And she says, I know it's bad, but I love it. So she has taught me yeah. this lesson the entire time, and it never really clicked until today. I mean, she's basically saying, "Look, like what you like, but let's not let's not conflate good with with poor." A, a wise man once told me that when it came to critiquing nerd content, yeah, that you're never really going. Everybody's always going to overreact when you criticize something because everyone is afraid and traumatized that it's going to be taken away. Yeah. You know, that if you say Doctor Who is poorly written, which it is. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're going to get in trouble for that one. Everyone's come at me. Seriously. At me. Justin R. Young on Twitter. I've, I've fought this war. I've fought this war for as long as the doctor's been alive. <laughs> and you've had a you had a podcast about Doctor Who for a while. And I couldn't do it. And you couldn't do it. I don't like crapping on stuff. Yeah. I don't like every week just being like, well, that was kind of a dumb episode, right? Yeah. Like, And that's fine. So I had to stop doing it. But... uh. You know, there's, it's fine. Like, I still watch Doctor Who every week. Right. I, I just couldn't talk about it from a, like, a, a, a perspective where I wanted to critique it. Like, I guess, because that's the problem with content that's fun but not good. Yeah. Is that you, you and you see it in our conversations, in, in fan podcast conversations, is that, you know, fan podcasts for shows that aren't good are usually a lot, uh, a lot of, you know, I really liked this character. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, I liked it. Yeah. Oh, I liked when they went to the uh, museum and they stole the vial. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, cause it's just that. Cause there's not any more meat on the bone. Sure. There's not anything else to chew on. Stranger things. We could go in episode by episode and pick through the references, the shots, the acting, the writing, the, the universe building. Sure. All that, right. There's a ton to dissect. Because it's well done. That's what I hear. Still haven't watched it. You should, you should, we should do a whole. Listen, I've been busy pounding down, throwing back gulps of Mr. Robot at a time. I'm actually, well, I'm not quite caught up, but I'm in season two now, finally. And you might actually be ahead of me. I'm only, I only got to three episodes in. I'm only two episodes. You're still an episode ahead of me then. So we're almost caught up on that. Um, that, that show made me paranoid all weekend. Uh, it should. <laughs> You know what the funniest thing is? I saw, because now that uh, NBC's got the Olympics, and this is like a big corporate moment for uh, Comcast. Yeah. So uh, they have these commercials where it's like, oh, the amazingness of everything Comcast brings you. And they show everything, all the popular shows on all their networks, all the technology you can get, yada, yada, yada. Everything great about, about Comcast. But amongst that are clips from the USA <laughs> network owned by NBC Universal, owned mm. by Comcast, mm-hmm. Mr. Robot, which just the idea of Mr. Robot, this like almost, you know, a, a, a teenage level, teenage angst themed screed against corporate America yeah. that being trotted out is this like, look at the great content that, you know, this literal version of Evil Corp is 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 behind it. It's just so funny. <laughs> it's to me. pretty good. Yeah, I the show is so good at at making everyone seem terrible that I can't imagine. I I don't even know how it got made. Honestly, what network wants to make it? Like I I don't know how they did it. Like I'm I'm glad they did, and I'm so glad they did. But it seems so. I'd see that script and go, well, this just this is like. It almost incites people to hate everything that we're doing here, even like from that Comcast perspective, especially it's just goofy and I can't believe it got made, but I freaking love it. It's so well, good. It, it, it really is exceptional. And it, it, it's, it's a show that kind of takes auteur television to a different level. You want to know what we should do? Mm. And, and now, cause there's a couple of these things that we really should, we should just lock down and just do a few like spoiler cast style long form. People can still call in. Yeah. 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 But we'll okay. warn them ahead of time. Hey, this is all about episode four or whatever, and that's all we're going to talk about or whatever. Or yeah, maybe, about- maybe, maybe we'll leading up to the to the finale of Mister Robot. We'll just do a big breakdown of of you know Mister Robot. Yeah, I'd like that. I think I think people would too. People who who are following it, and even those who don't care about spoilers, you guys can come too. Uh, and then also, man, I'm just going to tell you. Yeah. Like I really like Stranger Things. I want to see it. Everybody does. I don't know anyone but- who doesn't. I will say this. If you are not familiar with the visual language of Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter. Very familiar. If you are not familiar with the uh, thematic and genre tropes of Stephen King. Totally familiar and obsessed with. Not grow up, meaning you are at least 10 years old in 1980. Yeah then there's a lot of Stranger Things that it's so good, you'll still enjoy it, that is just not going to be for you. 
It's, and it's like, all me all day. Everything you just what, said. That's what I'm saying. Is I know for you, it is made for you. Yeah. No, I am this. I am that target. I am that guy. Like literally in that, I'm in the pocket for this. And I can't wait. I don't know why I haven't taken so long to see it. I want to watch it with my kids. I want them to see it in a weird way. I've grown raised 80s kids. Uh, so well, I will say this. Yeah. Like, because I'm, you know, I was born in 83. So I'm far more of that, like, if if that show was set in the '90s with a bunch of '90s independent cinema tropes and everything, yeah, uh, then then it would be more of my nostalgia wheelhouse. Right. Uh, I mean, I remember the '80s, but I was not of the '80s in the way that I think of myself as of the '90s. Yeah, it's right? the same as me. You know, when you were seven, that would have been like '78 for me, '77 yeah. for me. So. So yeah, I get it. Like this, I have no connection to like seventies culture in a, in a weird way. Like I don't think about it at all. Like other than a few TV shows that I have memories of, like H and R Puff and stuff, and Lost or uh, Land of the Lost or something dumb like that. Basically, the Sid and Marty Croft collection. That's about it. And what I, but everything else is burned into my frontal lobe. Like everything from like eighty to eighty nine, just was my playground. And yeah, all right. So Lunchman says Jerry's a my so-called life kind of guy. Man, uh, uh, if it weren't for the fact that Jordan Catalano uh, turned into the Joker, <laughs> then uh, I don't know if I would have went to go see Suicide Squad. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, all that. That's my wheelhouse. That was right? a great show. I, I remember. Uh, uh, you know, there were there we went back and forth. Me and Mikey Newman went back and forth on Twitter the other day, just making jokes about the uh, the 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 Snick lineup. Yep. Saturday night Nickelodeon lineup. Yep. Like that's that's my jam, right? But let me just say this. I love Stephen King and I love Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter movies. Right. And for that, this is just such a rich, uh, uh, rich feast. I think we're like three episodes uh away, but it really is exceptional, and that's gonna deserve a whole big we'll do that for sure. Big rundown from us. That's the next that's the next thing for me. Once I catch up with Mr. Robot, I'm gonna start eating those episodes and then uh I guess Mr. Robot comes out, what, every Wednesday until it's over? Yeah, Wednesdays, I think. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, Open Mind says, Stranger Things does have Steven Spielberg and Stephen King, but has more John Hughes films than King and Spielberg. Absolutely not. That's crazy. I keep hearing I mean, that. Certainly, there is a lot of the, especially the older sisters plot line that has, you know, John Hughesian sort of like <laughs> kids, nerds sort of uh, uh, elements to it, but. Come on. In it's 50 a- years, we have to refer to his effect as the Hughesian effect or the Hughesian touch or something like that. I like I'm that a lot. I'm saying it's a show about a little girl <laughs> with superpowers that interacts with a bunch of kids that know more than the adults. Yep. Like, stop it. I mean, this is Spielberg meets Stephen King. Yeah, those two naked in a room is what that is. Every other element of it is is a decoration and ornamentation, <laughs> uh, including Carpenter, including Hughes. Like, listen, I'm not denying that those elements are there. Right. But but this is the collaboration between King and Spielberg that we never got in the 80s or the 90s. Good. Let it, let it come. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for us, everybody. We're at the hour. Let's get out of here, though, before we do a little, uh, a little uh, pimpage. What do you got going on that people should be chew- uh, doing or chewing? Hey, how about this? Uh, man, what was it? A couple months ago, I, I sent you an email asking uh, because you're your daughter's uh, artistic agent. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went through you to uh, to see whether or not Carter would be interested in drawing uh, some stickers for yep. stickers or DIAF. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, so many months and weeks later, not only are they available right now, I would encourage everybody to go to stickers or DIAF.com and check out what they look like. However... They are also ready to pick up. I've been getting these emails while we are recording. I'm going to get right on my right on my car, drive on over to my local sticker shop, pick up all the stickers, and start sending them out ASAP. So if you want your sticker pack and you want to make sure that you get the exclusive uh, jury in your house sticker, this is one of the ones that we made for... Uh, that we made for the tour a few weeks ago, or I guess months ago now, Yeah. Uh, then you should order right now. Stickers or DIAF.com. Five original stickers drawn by uh, Carter Johnson. All of them have the Diamond Club uh, logo in them. I think they look super rad, and I'm excited for everybody to see them. Yes, go there right now. Uh, do not be afraid that it forwards you to his Squarepace page. It's fine. It's fine. 
Squarespace? Squarespace is what I meant. No, it's it's a Shopify. Page. Yeah, it's a Shopify. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Uh, hey, there it is. I see it. Sorry, I'm just trying to get to myself. Um, yeah, they turned out really good, and uh, more to come over there. Uh, as for me, there's a million things going on. Uh, the Bleacher Report show is going very well. We had an interview uh, yesterday that went live, I think already, for uh, with the Hearthstone team, uh, talking about what's going on with One Night in Karazhan, as well as some of the competitive issues therein. And we got another episode slated for tomorrow night that you'll get sometime by Friday. Lots of cool stuff happening so keep your eye on that. Uh, you can find it at rallypoint.gg. Uh, and then a million other things. Follow me on Twitter at Scott Johnson. Follow Justin at Justin R. Young. I think that's everything. Am I missing anything? I think that's it. That's it, yeah. right? That's it. All right. Thank you guys for being patient with us this week. <clears throat> I'm feeling better than I was yesterday. It'll. Uh, we're just going to keep going up. Next Monday, we'll have a new show. Don't know what we're talking about yet. We'll let you know well in advance. Uh, thanks for your time, your, your thoughts, your calls, and your patronage. Justin Robert Young, I'll see you next week. See you, buddy. Bye. show is part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program <laughs>